I don't know about you, but I've had a lot of jobs in my life that I wasn't so crazy about. <laughs> and even the jobs that weren't so bad that I mostly liked, I, I sure did a lot of stuff that I didn't enjoy. You could say I did some things that I even hated to do. Can you imagine what life would be like if you stopped doing things you hate? If you can make a living doing more of what you love? That's what I'm going to talk about in today's episode. I'm Larry Cornette, and this is Invincible Solopreneurs. So belated Happy New Year if I haven't wished you that already. I know some of you are listeners to my other podcast and the subscribers to my other newsletters. We're still in the month of January. I think there's a grace period, so I can say Happy New Year. Um, this is issue number nine in the newsletter that is associated with this podcast. So if you want to go to newsletter.invinciblesolopreneurs.com, this is What If You Stop Doing Things You Hate? Issue number nine. Subtitle, Life is Better When You Enjoy How You Make a Living. And that is exactly what I'm going to talk about. Oh, wow. Um, so I've really gotten into writing even more than usual lately. You know, I've been working on a nonfiction book. I guess you could call it a business book. Um, professional development, personal development. It's kind of a mix, but I also want to really write some fiction. I've been wanting to write fiction my entire life. So I've joined some groups to be around other authors who publish fiction and making a few friends there. And one of my author friends recently announced, well, it finally happened. I'm making more money from my books than I do in my day job. I guess it's time to quit and go all in on my writing. Okay. I'll admit that I felt a brief twinge of jealousy <laughs> before congratulating them. I am happy for them. I mean, writing fiction for a living was, probably still is, my vision of an ideal job and lifestyle. I wanted the independence, freedom and flexibility of deciding how I spent my days, when I scheduled working sessions, and where I spent that time writing. And I always pictured a cabin in the woods for some reason. I had always admired my favorite childhood authors and dreamed of being like them one day. However, we all grow up. Sometimes we don't get the unicorn pony that we dreamed of. And my, my life went down a very different path. I thought I had to study engineering in college, mechanical engineering, to have a respectable career later. That's what I was told. My student uh, advisor told me to go into mechanical engineering, so that was my major. I did that for a little while at college, but I didn't enjoy it. So I changed majors and graduated with a degree in psychology. But surprise, surprise, I couldn't find a good job. So I went to graduate school, and I focused on human-computer interaction, 
It's related to human factors. And I got my PhD. And then I began a successful career in Silicon Valley in the tech industry. And I did that for a long time, uh, about 20 years. And then one day I woke up after a 20-year career and realized I wasn't happy anymore. I was unhealthy. I was overweight. I wasn't taking care of myself. And I was really feeling unfulfilled. The work was not fulfilling me at all. So I left my tech career behind. People told me I was crazy. (laughs) And I started my own business as a coach and consultant. And that's what I'm doing now. I do a lot of career coaching, leadership coaching, business coaching, and forming communities like this, like Invincible Solopreneurs. Making a living doing more of what you love and less of what you hate is possible. Don't let anyone tell you otherwise. I have friends who are doing it. And I've been doing it for over 12 years now. It's going to be 13 years coming up this year. I'm finally enjoying what I do for a living. And I'm not saying I absolutely hated every aspect of my past jobs, my tech career, but I didn't enjoy every day and every moment. I'll tell you that. But now I, I love what I do. I work with great people, love my clients. I completely own my schedule. My calendar is mine. I decide where I work, mostly at my home office. And I live where I want to live for the first time in my life. I'm taking care of my health. I'm in the best shape of my life. And that started, you know, 13 years ago because I had the time to do it. I'm generally just happy with my life. I'm happier now than I have been in a really, really long time. And now I'm finally coming full circle and I'm returning to writing too. I'm even working on some fiction. Who knows? Writing might be, uh, my third act career, I guess I'm in my second act now. Maybe it's what I'll do after I actually retire, if I ever fully retire. And of course, I'm not saying that everything is blissful and easy. Work is still work. I work hard. You know, I work every day and I spread my work out throughout the week. I wouldn't say that running my business is easy, but the big difference is I don't hate it. There are many days that I truly love what I do. I love almost everything I do. And I'm seriously addicted to the freedom it gives me. I'm not part of the camp that believes you must follow your passion to be happy with your work. I think that can be a dangerous path. I think uh, I have a long, I think I've written about this before, uh, Following your passion can kill your passion. So I'm not a believer in that model, but I'm also not part of the crowd that gives up and says, Hey, work sucks, man. That's reality. Just find a job to pay the bills. Enjoy your life on the weekends. No, thank you. No, thank you. Life is too short to only enjoy your weekends. That's ridiculous. To live with that 
impending doom, that feeling of dread every Sunday evening. Some people call it the Sunday scaries because, oh no, the weekend's over and guess what comes tomorrow? And they feel depressed when they have to go back to work on Monday morning. Why should you spend every Monday through Friday, the majority of your life, doing something you don't enjoy? It may not be easy to find a way to make a living doing more of what you love and less of what you hate, but it is possible and it is worth it. My author friend is now doing it. Kudos to that person. As I said, I'm doing it and you can make it happen too. And I think this starts with imagining a different future. Very rarely do people sit down and spend the time to envision a different future for themselves. And I'm talking about looking out 10, 20 years. And when I work with people and calls and I have this exercise, they're like, Oh, I've never really thought about that. I haven't looked that far out, but I want you to do this. I want you to think about an ideal future for yourself. What if you no longer had a boss telling you what to do? What if you could start doing more of what you love to make a living? Can you imagine a life where you no longer have to do the things you dislike, anything you dislike to get paid? Now, when we need money from someone else, if we're in that situation, if we're not independently wealthy, if we didn't inherit from a rich uncle or win the lottery, we need money from somebody else. We have to get paid. And when that happens, we get stuck in a bad dynamic. We can't say no. We don't feel like we can say no because we're afraid of losing our jobs. And that's especially true during tough economic times like right now. I know people that are afraid to push back because they said, hey, if I lose my job, it's going to be hard to get another another job in the middle of this recession. And for many years, I was chasing, you know, title income. But the more money I made, the more lifestyle expenses tended to grow. And you got to love that whole Silicon Valley, keeping up with the Joneses life. I mean, that's part of living there, especially if you work in tech. So I felt trapped. I was stuck. I had to keep my job, keep making money, keep making all that great money and put up with a life that was making me miserable so we could pay our mortgage, cover all of our expenses, take care of my family. And my health wasn't the greatest. As I mentioned, I was like 40 pounds overweight. My stress and anxiety were at an all time high and things weren't getting better. So I knew something had to give. We finally said enough of that. And we drastically radically downsized. We sold our house in the Bay Area, moved somewhere we absolutely love, and now we're living up in the the foothills of the mountains in the Sierra Nevadas and can go hiking and trail running and skiing, and we live more simply. I found that I could support my family on my solopreneur business income because we pushed our burn rate, you know, it's our monthly expenses, down below my income line. So I was making more than I was spending. And now I was finally free. I was free. 
I never had to return to a nine to five job again. I haven't worked for someone else in over 12 years. And then now I get to spend my days writing, which I love podcasting like this, which I also love and working with really great clients. These are people I love spending time with. Many of them have become friends over the years. And I get to spend several hours every day with my family, with my wife, working out. If you follow me on Instagram, you know I work out every day. I love it. We go for walks. We go for trail runs. Now that it's the winter, we get to go skiing. We're going to go skiing tomorrow. Couldn't do that when I had a job. I couldn't just take off and go skiing. My boss was like, you got to be in this meeting. You can't take off. I haven't had to do anything I hate for work in over 12 years because I get to control that. I've removed it from my business. It's a pretty amazing feeling. And now, dear listener, I want you to imagine your ideal future. What could your life be like if you loved the work you do? Where would you live if you no longer had an employer? I had to live in the Bay Area because my employers were in the Bay Area. But once that changed, I stopped working for someone else. I was like, oh, I can, I can move. <laughs> I, can, I can live wherever I want. And I want to live in the mountains. I want to be close to a ski resort. I don't want to be in the middle of the city. How would you spend your days if you were in complete control of your time? If you owned your calendar, you decide what goes on your calendar. You choose the meetings that go on your calendar. How would you spend your days? What would you do with the time you recover if you get to eliminate a daily commute? And I've talked about the commute I used to have. (laughs) Holy cow. I was spending anywhere between two to four hours a day on the freeway. One big backup on the freeway and I was stuck. There were times I parked my car and just sat in my car for an, for an hour or two. Yeah, fun. So what would you do if you didn't have to do that anymore? With whom would you spend your time if you no longer had to spend your days with a boss or with coworkers? Can you imagine that? Do you have a loved one that you would rather spend more time with? Do you have friends you'd like to have lunch with? You want to go co-work in a coffee shop with a couple of friends? You could do that. So you can create a vision board if it helps you see things more clearly. And I've done these before. I've done it in PowerPoint or Keynote where it's thinking about what my life could be like. Where would I live? What would I do? How would I spend my days? And it may sound silly, right? Vision board? Didn't we do those in junior high? (laughs) But creating a vision for your ideal future, it isn't a waste of time. This isn't some fantasy exercise. When you set your intention, you set things in motion. It's a psychological principle. When you are thinking in the back of your mind about what you want, you start to notice opportunities. You see things that you would have missed before. I have had it happen. There's research that supports it. And once you have a clear vision for what you want your working and personal life to be, it's time to go deeper. And 
I've been doing this work with my career clients and the people in my invincible career community. We're spending this month doing this, creating goals and sub goals for the year, making a plan. Like how are you actually going to make those goals happen? How are you going to achieve them? Setting a timeline for making it happen. What's realistic? What can you do week over week, month over month to make it happen? to execute the plan, to achieve those goals. And then building a, an annual and a monthly roadmap for the work you need to do. And probably the most important, I talk about this all the time, changing your daily habits and your weekly habits to chip away at that roadmap to make your vision become a reality. I've shared this example before. I've always wanted to write a book. And I told myself I was going to do it. And it wasn't happening until I created a daily habit of writing a little bit, a weekly habit of writing a chapter so I could put it in a newsletter and share it with my subscribers. And now I just, I think I just finished chapter 17. So I'm making good progress on it because I made it a habit and that's what you should do too. So I have another exercise that I recommend And that's writing what I'm going to call your love-hate list, love-slash-hate. If you already know exactly what it is you'd rather be doing to make a living, great. You have an idea for your business, and now you need just to work on a strategy and a plan to execute it. However, if you're not sure what it means to do more of what you love and less of what you hate, it's time to create a list of activities to make that clear. And I often have my career clients do this exercise too. When they want to find a much better job or change careers entirely, it's, they're like, I don't know what I want to do. I don't know what I like. I don't know what I hate. And that happens. You've been in a job too long. It's like, what do I even like to do anymore? <laughs> and the ultimate career change is building your own business, right? Being a solopreneur, having the opportunity to define your own job. So as you go about your day for the next few weeks, this could be two to four weeks, Pay attention to your work and life activities, not just work. Think about life too. There are going to be things you do in your life that you love and hate and start capturing the following list. I have five lists that I think will help you. Number one, what do you notice that you are good at doing? What are you good at doing? This is where you already have the talent, skills, knowledge, and experience that's required to excel at these tasks. That's why you're so good at it. The second list is, what do you not seem to do very well? So it's kind of the opposite. (laughs) What are you not so good at? And note, this could be because you haven't really learned how to do the task. It's not your fault. You haven't been trained. You haven't learned how to do it. Maybe you've been trained and you just started, so you just need more experience. So you're not good at it yet, but you will be. Or the truth might be, you don't actually enjoy the tasks. Maybe you don't even care about the work. A lot of people don't do a great job because they just don't like it. They don't like their job. Number three, what do you seem to enjoy doing? Now, you may find yourself repeating some items from list one and two here, and that's okay. There is a difference between how well you do something and how much you like doing it. So there might be things you enjoy doing that you're also really good at doing. Maybe that's why you enjoy it. But there might be things you don't do very well, but you love doing them. You enjoy doing them and you just want to get better at it. The fourth list is 
what do you hate doing and never want to do again? You just don't want to do it. Pay special attention to this list. These are tasks and activities you want to eliminate from your future working life. And the fifth and final list, what do you wish you could start doing? Something new or do more of. This is aspirational. What have you always dreamed of spending more time doing in your working life? Yeah, I've worked with some designers who've said, I feel like I'm always doing tactical stuff. So I wish I could do more strategic work, visionary work, innovative stuff, not just cranking on the pixels. So by the end of the next few weeks, like I said, it could be two to four weeks. You have to spend a little bit of time doing this. You should have some pretty long list of tasks and activities that you love and stuff you hate, stuff you're good at, stuff you're not so good at. If any of the items are like high level or they seem vague, fuzzy, try to break them down into more specific details. For example, I've had clients tell me they love design. It's like, what do you love doing? I love designing. What does that mean? (laughs) What, What do they mean by design? And if you've ever been a designer, you are a designer, you know, that's pretty vague. There are dozens, maybe even hundreds of tasks and activities that go into the craft of design. If you're a professional designer. So I asked them to break down the high level topic of design into more detailed subtasks and activities. I wanted to be clear about what they loved about the process. So if you love it, what is it you really love? And as we did this, we discovered they love some parts of design. They love brainstorming. They love collaborative whiteboard sessions. They love prototyping. But they really disliked other design activities. They hated creating mock-ups for all the edge cases and use cases. It's like endless mock-ups. They hated writing really detailed design specifications, mind-numbing work. They hated generating endless revisions. And if you've been a designer, you know that that happens. Now, once you're done with this exercise, you have these five lists. Your list can now be used to help you define your ideal job. As a solopreneur, you get to build the business of your dreams and your role within that business. This is your opportunity to write your own job description and fill it with the responsibilities you enjoy the activities you love, and the work you're great at doing. Why would you not want to structure it in a way that you get to do more of what you're really good at doing and less of the stuff you don't enjoy, maybe you're not so good at? So next step would be to describe your ideal job. And I want to have some fun with this. I usually ask aspiring entrepreneurs to Describe their ideal customers, capture the problems those customers are having, what are they dealing with, right? Create a solution that fixes those problems, that addresses that need. Define their ideal business that provides that solution and then create a profitable business model and plan. It goes on and on and on. But I want to approach this exercise from a different angle. If you could write a perfect job description that lets you do the work you're great at doing and love doing, but none of the work you hate, what would that look like? How would you start your morning? How would you spend your days? 
What is your ideal work schedule for the entire week? Once you have this job description, let's talk about how this person would get paid. And when I say this person, that's you. (laughs) This is you, by the way. Who needs the work this person can perform? Who would pay for it? How much would they pay for it? How could they up-level the value delivered and get paid even more? So I saw a recent conversation about two solopreneurs who had similar businesses but approached their product and service offerings very differently. One only provided one-on-one consulting services and was making supposedly around 70K a year, about 70,000 a year. There was a hard limit on how many clients they could take on when you're working one-on-one like that. There's only 24 hours in a day and seven days in a week. So there is a serious limit. There's a ceiling to how much work you can do. And the only way you're going to make more money is to raise your prices. And that can be a bit tricky, but there is a ceiling. There's a cap. The other solopreneur who was in a similar business line did some one-on-one consulting too, but also sold self-serve access to digital downloads and systems that let customers leverage that solopreneur's knowledge to solve their own problems. So a DIY solution, but it didn't require the solopreneur to get involved. And since this was scalable online and digital, the second entrepreneur was making about 350,000 a year. That's a huge difference. The point of sharing this story is I want you to be creative with your ideal job description. Don't artificially limit yourself to the way your work was performed in the past when you were working for an employer. This is your chance to set yourself free and work how you want, when you want, where you want, and with whom you want. You get to call the shots. And the kind of the last part of this is about testing, scaling, and then setting yourself free. So you notice that my author friend didn't quit their day job until it was obvious they could make a living from their books. They, when they still had a job, would write a little in the morning before work, wrote some more in the evenings, and then carved out a few hours for dedicated writing time over the weekend. And it took about four years of writing on the side, building up their list of books for sale, testing and improving their their marketing because that's that is tricky marketing books and then slowly watching their income increase four years of hard work four years of patience four years of loving the work of writing though it was worth it for them because they love publishing books and they could see the light at the end of the tunnel they were seeing that income graph go up a little bit every month, every year. They could see the day that they could quit the job they hated and make a living doing what they wanted to be doing instead, writing books. Making a living as a writer, it's it's not a slam dunk for probably 99% of authors. There's a lot of authors that cannot quit their day jobs. That business is a very different beast than the path most of us solopreneurs take. If you follow my model of turning your ideal job description into a business plan, your path to profitability should be much shorter, way, way shorter. (laughs) 
You're probably not wanting to hear four years and it should not be four years, not even close. As I've shared before, and I linked that story, if you go to newsletter.invinciblesolopreneurs.com and check out this, uh, this newsletter article, you can get that link. My first solopreneur business replaced my nine to five job income almost immediately. I launched my little design agency in about a day after a wonderful layoff. <laughs> they laid off the entire company. So I was out of work. So I launched my own agency, if you can call it that, a solopreneur. I started working for my first client right away. And I invoiced them about two weeks later. So I had enough money in the bank to support my family in that first month of business which is very different than my writing friend who had to wait almost four years. So if this hopefully makes you feel a little bit better, I was supporting myself with my solopreneur business in the first month. So you can design and test your business model while you're still employed. And I highly recommend that. Of course, you have to check your employment agreement, check your local laws, your state laws. Some states, some companies are way friendlier to people having a business on the side, as long as it doesn't compete with their employer, others, not so much. So check your employment agreement, talk with a lawyer, make sure that you can do this. That's the safest approach. But if you can do this, you're essentially using your current paycheck to fund your solopreneurial exploration. You are your own investor. That's pretty cool. You don't have to get a loan from a bank. You don't have to look for venture capital. You fund yourself. Finding real customers will help you validate if what you offer provides enough value for them to purchase it. That's when you really know. People promising to buy something means nothing. People actually buying it, that tells you that it, that it works, that they want it. Once you have happy customers and repeat business and you know it's working, it's time to start scaling your business to increase that income stream, to make that number go up and to the right. And when you're making enough that you know you can make a living, if you were running your business full time, you're ready to cut ties with your old job and set yourself free. I can't even begin to describe how much better work, if you want to call it that, it's your work, how much better work will feel when you control what you do or don't do the clients you accept, the customers you work with, and how you spend your days. Life is just better when you enjoy how you make a living. It's such a big part of your life. As I've mentioned earlier in earlier podcasts and earlier newsletter editions, I am planning a live workshop where I'm going to dive into the details of designing and launching a solopreneur business and there'll be a community launched with this. It will be an interactive session. So there'll be Q and A and conversations. I want to make sure you can get your questions answered. I want to make sure we can talk about what you're trying to do. So let me know if you're interested. I have a survey slash poll. If you go to newsletter.invinciblesolopreneurs.com, this is what if you stop doing things you hate? Uh, issue number nine. So I have a poll where you can let me know if you'd be interested. If this is something you'd like to attend. That's it. I hope this was useful. I hope it gives you hope. 
it is possible. You can make a living doing more of what you love and stop doing all that stuff that you hate. Until next time, I wish you the best of luck with building the business of your dreams.